man. All right. That's probably the best intro of everything I've ever heard. But hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. On my right-hand side is my right-hand man, a Gabriel. Slam a door in my face. Slam a door in my face. Papa soda first, baby. It's a crystal summer. Yeah. Uh, so today on the Rock and Roll Podcast, we have the Dead Centuries. We've been releasing some singles as of late. They've got some exciting news coming up. Being joined by the boys right now to share some more information about what these two tracks are about, even though they're instrumentals. I'm sure they have delicious stories and what they've been up to. Slam a door in our faces. Okay. Uh, So, boys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us back, John. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for for mentioning that you guys are back on, because for anybody listening in who maybe is not familiar, episode 105, uh, which released on January 17th, 2018, the boys were on chatting about uh, debut album, if I remember correctly. That's right. Fantastic. Uh, now it's going to be like episode 800 and whatever. So, I mean, it's it's fun to be that show that grows with the bands that are growing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Now, to go ahead and take us through the last couple of years, because obviously you guys haven't been on for a couple of years now, um, just released a couple of singles. I'm sure there are some stories to tell leading into uh, this marvelous year that we're having. So... Maybe take us through the last couple of years. What what does the dead centuries look like for the last couple of years? And then has this year befuddled things? Has this year been a blessing in disguise? Has it been the key to your success? <laughs> it, uh, it definitely let us let us focus on on a lot of things, as I'm sure it did for a lot of people. Um, and uh, what what may jump out for people immediately is uh, we decided to kick the quality up a couple notches. Um, really dialed these singles in. Took us took the opportunity to 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 you know go to the professionals, get this to be done just perfectly across the board to the best of our ability. Give uh, give the world what it is we have to offer. Now, I guess were you guys going to do that anyway? And then this year gave you a little more time, or was it because you guys had the time that you kind of stepped back and said, you know what, maybe we should have this professionally mixed or professionally mastered, or you know as you said, go to the professionals. Yeah, I think uh, following the album release for Race Against Time, uh, we saw some success with that. Some some people really dug it. They liked the songs that we were playing. Um, we toured that a little bit around Ontario and, and Quebec and played some shows. Um, but then when it came time for new music, we sat down together and we discussed, you know, Let's try and kick it up a notch. Uh, let's work with some some people that we really admire, um, and try and bring the new music to like the next level, I guess. Um, and I think working with the people that we worked with, Anoop Sastry and Jacob Umansky, um, really helped us bring the music to the level that it is. Okay. Take us through that. What role did they play? Was it production, recording, all of the above, mixing, mastering, reamping? There's so many things these days. Yeah. Um, so we produced and recorded this material at the other guitar player's house, Jacob McSheffery. Um, he joined a little while before the release of Race Against Time, and he was a big part of these two new singles. Um, not only the recording, but also 
the writing component. Um, and then after that, we got Jacob Umansky from one of our favorite bands, Intervals, to play bass on the two tracks. And basically, we contacted him, sent him the tracks. Uh, he sent back the bass tracks to us. Uh, we took a listen, and they were pretty much perfect. And they fit the songs exactly how we wanted them to. Um, after that, once we had everything recorded, we sent it all over to Anoop, and he mixed and mastered the two tracks, and we couldn't be happier with the results. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, you guys mentioned in the very beginning, you know, we wanted to up the quality on on everything, and it's almost like I didn't want to say anything like, hey, guys, what happened? <laughs> yeah, you get, you get Anoop in on anything, and that's bound to happen. <laughs> I mean, even the music videos themselves um, are, are really high quality. And, uh, I don't know what I was going to say after that, other than I brought up the music video and immediately I was like, it was kind of like a little spellbound, uh, for, for a second. Um, so it's, take it. That second music video actually for crystal summer, um, that we did do, uh, ourselves. How did you do that? Like, I don't see anybody holding a big selfie rod. Uh, like, actually, we, actually, we are. You just can't see it. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, watch the video with that in mind, you might notice the only time that Jacob and I are in the same shot, the camera's not moving at all. So <laughs> we took turns shooting each other's parts, and then when we were in the same shot, we used a tripod. I think I tried to edit the video, so it kind of makes that blend in and kind of disappear. You don't really notice it. And hopefully it worked. No, it totally did. I had no idea until you mentioned it now. And it's, I don't know. It's like, I don't know when you reach the age of 10 and all of a sudden you realize Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> I'm going to put that up there with that. Now, one of the things I noticed though, as well, is it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people in the video. Was this shot during a lockdown quarantine? Yeah. So it was, after the lockdown was kind of, uh, the restrictions were, were eased a bit. Um, so we, we stuck together ourselves and there weren't too many people out, which was great. And if we came across people that, uh, we didn't know, then, you know, we just kept our distance and, and stayed in our little bubble to get the video done. <laughs> Socially distanced, brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, how many strings is that? I'm counting. The six-string guy, that's totally normal, but everybody stays away from anybody with seven strings or more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Jacob's using his eight-string in that, isn't he, Adam? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's obviously become significantly more commonplace now, but I remember years back when, like, Corn did it, and that was it. And there was like a space of time until Steve Vai and Joe Satriani picked up and it was kind of like a what? And then eventually John Petrucci picked it up. And then I think at that point, it kind of became a little more what have you. But there was like this space of time where people were telling seven string guitar player jokes like it was a thing. A seven string guitar player existed in his own little bubble. <laughs> Before bubbles were cool. Before bubbles were cool. Uh <laughs> Yeah, like somebody broke in the seven string guitar player had a gig. So that was the first part of the joke because he didn't have a band. So, 
And then he stops somewhere to go get something to eat, which is like another part of the joke because he's always eating. And then uh, somebody broke into his car and stole everything, but the only thing left was the seven-string guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm I'm the drummer, but uh, I actually managed to have a seven-string guitar. <laughs> <laughs> There is no equivalent in the drum world. Like, what what would the equivalent be? Like, seven hi-hats? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, the drumming world's changed a bunch, too, now. There's, uh, I, I'm not sure if you've seen guys like Alex Rudinger and Travis Orban, but a lot of guys are playing more open-handed now. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. That's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool stuff, though. I definitely dig it. Now, getting into uh, these tracks, I remember when uh, Asher uh, threw it across my desk. He just he walked in and he threw it. He threw it across my desk, boys. Uh, and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I like it here. And I said, that's weird. And then he he left. That, that's the kind of conversations Asher and I have. I'm like, no, oh. No, that is not those kind of conversations. He, he likes Alberta for some reason. And I like Quebec for some reason. So one of us, one of these days, one of us need to switch. Uh, it might happen. Uh, it might not. It might not. No. Uh, after after coronavirus, my wife and I have kind of convened that BC probably is looking a little bit better than. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where we're we're headed, and she likes gardening, so it kind of just works out for everybody. Um, but I remember Papa Soda. I'm like, okay, well, that's a unique song title, and I guess just take us through that. What is this track about? Um, so Papa Soda was actually the first track that Jacob started writing after he joined the band. And, um, actually I think he started writing that before the release of race against time. And since then the song kind of evolved, we added new layers, we changed parts around and at the end of it, it kind of sounded like uh, this bubbly, happy fresh song to us and uh, jacob came up with the name papa soda and i think it fits pretty well with how the song sounds yeah i'd agree it's it's happy it's like it's metal but it's happy <laughs> yeah exactly now something you mentioned was the track has been uh in writing for a little while and i guess i'm, I'm curious how you guys write a song like this is is there like a verse, chorus, refrain, stanza kind of uh, like a pop thing where the guitar melody is like the verse lyrics and the chorus refrain? Or how do, how do you guys write a song like this? Um, I think with this new material, um, we're trying to focus on that melody and, and kind of the catchiness and make it more than just a string of riffs um, stuck together. And I think you'll hear some of some of the melodies repeating through Pop Soda, and you might hear them in in different instruments. Like the the synth might be doing the melody at one part, and then the guitar will do it later, or they'll play it in unison. And that's something that we're really trying to focus on now with the new material. Okay. Now you mentioned some new material. That brings me to my next inspired question, which is, well, what is coming next? Should we expect an EP, an album, more singles? Yeah, for the foreseeable future, we'll be releasing singles. I think that's the best thing that 
we've done so far. Um, it gives us time to focus on new tracks and really put in the work to bring them where we're happy with them so that we can record them and then then release them. It gives it more care and attention to each individual song. Aww. Uh-huh. I don't know, it's made me think of like receiving something and the packaging is all perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea is to um, <laughs> really put our heart and soul into these tracks and try and bring them up to the level where, you know, there's not anything that we wish we would have done after releasing them. We're happy with every aspect. And, you know, I think that's worked out well for us for these last two songs and will probably work out well in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my other questions was going to be in getting somebody to do guest bass, uh, and especially in today's day and age, you could do a million things. You could do easy bass, and I know plenty of mainstream bands who've done that and fooled the world uh, even less than that. Uh, what is it? Moto bass from uh, IK Multimedia, I think, um, before that. And uh, even aside from that, one of you guys could have just played the bass or you know, down-tuned an eight-string even more, I guess, if you needed to or whatever. Um, so I guess the question is why Jacob? Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned we could have played bass or we could have done MIDI bass, easy bass or whatever. And really we had bass written for the tracks. Um, but I think when it came down to it, getting a bass player who plays the style that we really like from a bass player, um, he knows how to play bass to this style of track and the two guitar players in the band, we might be able to fake it, but he can do, do the real deal. And I mean, once we heard Papa Soda, um, Crystal Summer was an easy sell to get him to, to come back on that track. Mm-hmm. Without giving away too much, shall we expect his presence on the next few tracks? Oh, yay. Well, uh, that's yet to be decided, but um, the work that he's done so far, I wouldn't be surprised if we work with him again in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what a lot of bands are doing nowadays uh, to keep the fans interested is you know, live streams, acoustic sets, interviews, behind-the-scenes, underwear giveaways. I mean, you name it, they're, they're doing it. So I, one of my questions that I like to ask now is, what are you guys doing for coronavirus? It's funny. It seems to be the trend for us is to really kind of turn inwards and, and just, you know, make sure that take the songs that we've got and, and take a chance to work through bar by bar, just work on the quality, get it ready for when live shows come back on and, and really just get the instrumentation there. Okay. Um, Kind of a, a more logistical question, if anybody out there actually cares, but it just kind of came to mind. What are you guys going to do for bass? Just a backing track live? Yeah, exactly. That's what we've been doing for the last few years. Um, we use the tracks from the album when we were playing live, and we've been rehearsing with the same tracks and the new tracks that Jacob sent us. And the way that we have our lives set up, it works really well for us. It's all to a click track. We're all playing with the click in our ears and all the tracks in our ears. And, you know, it, it makes it super tight because we're playing to something. And I mean, technology is amazing. Makes it 
really easy for us, and the bass player never screws up. <laughs> oh, man. And his girlfriend never calls in the middle of practice, and his other girlfriend never calls in the middle of practice. <laughs> exactly. The girl that he just broke up with isn't calling in the middle of practice. <laughs> he doesn't show up late either. I know. He's not 15 minutes late. What's going on, kiddo? What'd you, what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? He's a 15-string guitarist. A 15-string guitarist. That's right. Well, you know, actually, kiddo, uh, I'll have to show you some stuff. If you go to the Renaissance period, uh, there were a lot of multi-stringed instruments that ranged from, well, there was a lot. I remember seeing a 15-string instrument in a museum at one point. What about uh, a hundred string? A uh, hundred strings, hundred string guitars. So, Woo! yeah, the whole seven, eight, nine string thing is actually not that new. It's just making a resurgence in an electric way instead of in an acoustic way. Yeah, um, kind of goes up and down. I don't know how we traditionally decided on like a five to six string format, but somehow, in some way, that became the norm for a while. Cool. That was I don't know what rock metal history. On the rock metal podcast, if you want to consider a lute uh, in a chamber to be rock music, or oh, the Rumble Butt Podcast, Rumble Butt Podcast. Well, I guess I guess lute players in chambers were getting you know uh, people to dance, so I guess that's kind of rock and roll. What do you guys think? I'd have to agree with you. If if you can find a way to put a lute into one of the songs, Adam, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, you could do a whole like uh, behind the scenes thing of like trying to get the thing to intonate properly and <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. And then the harpsichord solo comes in. <laughs> I don't know, guys. It could be a thing. We'll be the first. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, boys, I have asked all the questions that I have on the paper in front of me. We chatted about Papa Soda, Crystal Summer, what's coming up next, what you guys have been up to. Uh, who, what? Okay, and... A slamming door in face. And uh, the the reuniting of the fact that you guys were on the show a couple of years ago, so it's great to have you on the couch again. I'm looking forward to have you on the proverbial couch here sometime soon. Uh, is there anything that I did not ask that you were hoping I was going to ask that you wanted to chat about? I think that's, uh, I think that's good for me. Yeah, I mean, you asked some... Some really fun questions. Well, that's good to hear. Sometimes I'm worried, like, oh, man, I just asked the most boring question in the world, and then somebody talks for 20 minutes, and I'm like, awesome. <laughs> if we end up with, honestly, we're going to have to give you credits. If we end up with, an, with a loot in one of our songs, we're, we're going to tag you all over it. <laughs> Boom, hashtag loot life. <laughs> the, the only loot player in the world, and he's, he's uh, just become a hot commodity. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, boys, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock and Roll Podcast. Much appreciated. Go ahead and stop, please, sweetie.